What's going on, Chooms? Welcome back to Tabletop Cyberpunk. My name is John John the Wise. Today I have a very special guest with me. I have Dustin Morgan from Infinite Sided Dice. Dustin, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great as well. It's good to have you on. Before we get deep into it, we want to make sure that we plug everything that you're doing. Today we're going to be talking about world building with Dustin. He is a game master. Longtime game master, longtime gamer, and he has this beautiful show called Edge of Extinction on Infinite Sided Dice's Twitch and YouTube channel. It is an actual play podcast. Have you guys done the podcast thing too? Uh, yeah, it it will probably end up as a podcast at some point. Um, we've we've tried very hard to capture really crisp, beautiful audio, um, so it, it, it'll transfer over pretty easily, I think. Great. Well, um, give me that elevator pitch for that amazing show that I'm already a big fan of. <laughs> what is the show? Uh, Infinite Sided Dice is is a brand new channel, um, and we're we're launching it with our flagship show, which is Cyberpunk: Edge of Extinction. It's um, it's a cyberpunk campaign with myself as game master. It's using the Cyberpunk Red system set in 2045, and the cast is incredible. Um, uh, they're they're all very talented role players and great gamers, and they're all people I played with for some of them for a long time, some I've known for a very long time, um, and and a few and uh, and I just met Day, but she is uh, fantastic. If Day and Hutton is really uh, just really talented actor and role player, and just really makes the show so fun. Um, yeah, it's a yeah. That's that's basically it. That wasn't an elevator. We have, it was a very long elevator. Yeah, yeah. We're going to the penthouse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very long elevator pitch. Uh, we have a very interesting origin story. Basically, um, I moved to Santa Clarita. Got the me moving to Santa Clarita and starting my channel was kind of how like all this happened. I was like, I'm gonna start my channel. I'm gonna get into tabletop gaming. I've always wanted to like be head first in it not just like have it as a side hobby and make it my main hobby i guess and i found this amazing oasis in santa clarita called green tower games that is owned by your brother right yeah yeah that's true um yeah we owe a lot to green tower and and garrett has put in the work to to keep it the gamers oasis that it it is now yeah, it's an amazing place. It's like it's everything you would want in a game shop. Like uh I've heard all kinds of horror stories from game shop owners. Like if you got the wrong guy that owns the shop too, like that's like one of the worst things that could ever happen, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that's I absolutely, right? Um it's it's a weirdly gatekeepery community, but what's cool is I, I just feel like the trend has been away from that for a long time now. Um, yeah, especially, uh, well, like <laughs> maybe it's a, maybe it's a survival mechanism. Maybe you used to be able to be a, be like that and still keep a business open, but nowadays you can't do that. <laughs> no, it turns um, out if everybody's an asshole, nobody wants to go there, you know? <laughs> yeah. But also like 
yeah, bring the bring more people into the the only thing that bringing more people into the community does is is uh is grow it it diversifies. You get more interesting stories being told. You get you get more guys to play with on the weekend. Like imagine like at any given time I can hop on Discord, I can find a game of of uh 40k or Sigmar or Cyberpunk or D&D or there's people there playing what Marvel Crisis Protocol. There's like huge communities of like all these different kinds of gamers, and that's really um, that's really down to like Garrett sacrificing a lot to just sort of keep that uh, keep that store as cool as it is. Um, and I'm glad I was there. I was just there covering some shifts, and and John John walked in, and and our eyes locked, and it was like da 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 dee. He saw my bald, no. beautiful face, and he's like, "This is what I've been looking for all my life." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I walked in because your brother was gonna play in my game. I, I, uh, I invited him to play in Under the Crimson Sky. For those of you that don't know, as well, Dustin plays F one fifty in Under the Crimson Sky, my actual play that I have going on on my channel. So I invited Garrett, your brother, and. Uh, and I told you about it. And I was like, yeah, he's going to play in my game. And you showed interest. You're like, oh, I would actually, I've been meaning to get into it. And mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, if I love one Morgan, I'm sure I'm going to love another. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. So invited you. We hit it off. We played. We gel really well. I have nothing but respect for you guys. And uh, it's really awesome to be able to meet some awesome people in this community. And then you dropped this bombshell on me. Where you're like, hey, I kind of I've been thinking of doing like an actual play. And <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'd... I was like, yeah, that's amazing, dude. Like, tell me about that whole genesis of it. For sure. Um, I, it really. So for for those of you that that don't know, um, I'm a composer by trade, and I work in the uh, work in the film industry, and among other things. But um, through that, I've met. Um, the guy who plays Brett on Cyberpunk Age of Extinction, uh, EOE, right? Uh, um, and he, uh, he owns a sound stage and he has this, like, he, we, we were just drinking at a bar one night and he's like, Hey, do you play D and D? And I'm like, Oh, do I play D and D? Yeah. Uh, and so I showed up at his sound stage and he's got it all blacked out with cool lights and this, he has this great setup with video screens and this beautiful, uh, you saw this beautiful sound stage, um, called rise, uh, motion picture studio. And, um, immediately I was, we started talking about recording, uh, an actual play uh, in one way or another. He's, he's also a screen, uh, screenwriter. So he, he has, um, a pitch of like a D and D based sort of sitcom-y kind of show and we were just bouncing ideas off but we we love the idea of an actual play but of course dungeons and dragons is a is a game that is actual played to death right now um yeah absolutely yeah that it's it's being done really well by lots of people and poorly by even more people um and and frankly it was just if i wanted an actual play i could turn on youtube and find it and um but the, then when John John invited me to come play Cyberpunk, and I was like, oh, this seems like it would be fun, and it uh, it's a good thing to do on a on a weeknight or whatever. But the game is like so 
like clean and i played some cyberpunk i'm I'm not gonna throw shade at earlier editions of cyberpunk but i played this game um what it was like 2013 edition <laughs> what is it like before 2020 the, that was yeah the... that was the original og 89 i think it came out okay yeah yeah so i played some in the early 90s i think is probably the last time i touched that game and it is a, it was the world appealed to me immediately right i love the genre and i love the movies and everything but for some reason the gameplay doesn't really click um the same is true of D D. honestly like uh, early editions of that game didn't really click for me um but uh i never i didn't touch 2020 so for uh, just to be clear on everything that i do and talk about um but red was so clean and so fun to play and so easy and it was especially you throw in that companion app and uh and a and a gm like john john and i was like this game slaps right <laughs> and uh yeah and i'm like i want more cyberpunk and like the, the first thing i did was go on youtube and start searching around and i don't know if it's a matter of like i think red launched during covid and i i imagine that was a little hard for them and there just wasn't the support like when polygon had like a little actual play and then telsorian or telsorian did like their own but it was a zoom call thing where i'm sure they would have rather done a more highly produced thing and i imagine just by the time you could start doing things in person it was on to producing the video game or whatever else they're busy doing and there just really wasn't the content i'm sure that you had the same instinct right that's why you wanted to create an actual play it's just it wasn't there so yeah, I don't think it's their responsibility to do that show. I think we all looked at them because we're like, you you guys are the ones that have this amazing game and we want this thing. And mm -hmm. their philosophy is like, yeah, we'd love to do like little collaborations here and there, but we make games, you know what I mean? Yeah, they're, they're game makers and they made a great game. Exactly. Um, so it was on <clears throat> it was on the community to try to figure it out. And I was like, geez, I guess it's me. <laughs> yeah who's the community who else is uh, be, you know yeah and and i think well what's great is i well, we're gonna spend the whole we're supposed to talk about world building but um <laughs> we're, we're we're talking about the building the world of cyberpunk because then then the video game comes out and it also had its own issues right its own hiccups um but right as the time we played our actual play and then Danny came out and, and ran a game at Green Tower and we were standing in the parking lot and I was like, hey, you know, this this is the thing to do. Uh, it's, the world is hungry for it. The community is hungry for it, right? The, the community that exists is hungry for it. There's a whole community that doesn't even know about it that's hungry for it. And we can, we can get there real quick so um it was always going to be danny and lex and then uh, anias it, for those of you that don't know is my uh is my daughter so um she was obvious an obvious choice and we brought in day as as anias's friend um to sort of balance out the table um and the the cast just fell into place so that was just sort of fortuitous and then danny has his sound stage and we started talking about cameras and then um and the more excited I got about the idea, the more I would talk to everybody about it. So I went to a, a soccer match, a big uh, LAFC, their Western Conference Finals this Sunday. I'll be there. Um, 
when I went to a soccer match with my buddy Sean, who is a um, just also works in the industry, he works in reality television, but that I'm not friends with him because of that. I'm friends with him because like we weren't in high school together and like lived together for a while. And um, he's like my best friend since I was like 10 years old or something. Um, and he is a television producer and has some cameras and he was like, Oh, Hey, I'll, I could probably, if we're not renting them out, I could give you these cameras to shoot with. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. And then the next day we talked and I'm like, Hey, what do you think about just being a producer on this? Not, we're getting, this is some whatever shop talk that this isn't, ga this isn't gamer talk, but like he got excited about it. Cause I started talking about it and I was really excited about it. And then he goes, Hey, like a week later, my director of photography on this show I'm working on is a big, gamer he's a big D, D guy and he loves the idea so then we got ryan um who is our director of photography and he came in and he's brought like a whole concept for lighting and then and and he's just just really beautiful capturing beautiful images and um i remember you went from like idea because people you know everybody <laughs> says things like yeah i want to mm -hmm. do this i want to do that and then it was like, oh, yeah, we're recording, like, in a week. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, this thing's happening. Yeah, it, it was. Like, uh, I just, I get motivated on ideas. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think you're you're probably the same way. Um, Especially when you see things come to fruition. You're like, oh, I guess I can do it. If I sure. Do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, if it can be done, I can do it. And I would have done it exactly like you. I would have put two cameras in a living room and done it. Like, that that was where I was at. Cause I had such a great, I had an idea and I love the game so much. Um, but obviously we had the soundstage we had, then we had this director photography and all this stuff. And, um, you have all these opportunities it, where it's like going to be a legit show, like 4k cameras in a studio with set design <laughs> and like, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the way to do it. And it, yeah, it just snowballs, right? It, it grows and grows and grows. Cause the, then he gets involved and then I'm like, well, we better have something to look at if we're going to have, all these cameras so um i get garrett to start designing terrain and we're like well we better let's build i wish that's going to feature more in the show as we go forward we um we probably didn't have the optimal setup to really show how amazing the board looks um right now you're getting a top down in the lower quarter um which is cool but the the minis i spent uh, i don't know i probably spent 80 hours painting miniatures uh, and in addition to you, let's go. Yeah. And yeah, Garrett also spent another 40 hours. I think there's a miniature that he stayed up all night painting. And cause we were shooting at 8 AM the next day, by the way, spoiler alert, we pre-record. Yeah. For those <laughs> of you coming back, we had a pizza delivery that we had to take care of. So now we're back, but you guys don't know that because we just continued on. So yeah. the moral of the story is everybody got together. You you have, I think you're offering two new things. First of all, it's a cyberpunk red actual play, long form campaign, episodes, seasons, reoccurring um, actors. You know that's something mm -hmm. we don't have right now. Now we have it. Now we have it. Yeah. The other things are. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say we shot at this point. There's 16 hours of of game that's in the can right now. And there will be a lot more the minute we can get back into the studio, but that sort of relies a little bit on some support from the community, but we'll get to that later, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then, uh, and the other thing you guys are offering is the minis. You don't usually see minis and terrain in actual place. 
And yeah, I know that, yeah, bring it over. I know that's <laughs> something that uh, you were like, hey, John, I know you like theater of the mind versus battle maps, but I'm a battle maps guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't, those of you running your own games do not feel obligated, though, to do what I did. It took me and Garrett. At, so that was the story is that I had to pick up that mini from Garrett at seven in the morning. <laughs> And he walked out in his pajamas. I think he'd been up painting all night long. And he handed it to me. And I was like, thanks, bye. And he was like, are you not even going to look at it? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. It's so early. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, it is so good. It's so good. I cannot show it to you because it would be such a massive spoiler. Uh, I'm look, I'm, It's right there. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I will put pictures of it. Don't worry. You guys will see it in the show. Don't worry about yeah. that. So, yeah. um, so if now switching gears, we talked about the genesis of the show. I'm really curious because we haven't had this conversation. We talked about having this conversation, the building of the world, the building of the lore. You went with night city and you said you picked a little pocket. Um, and then I do remember you telling me something about using the players backstories as well to kind of put something together but what was your initial idea when you're like okay i'm gonna put something together yeah sure um it's such an interesting topic in cyberpunk to talk about world building because i think if you, if you come from if you come from a fantasy mindset you're like well the world is built you're looking at night city right it it there's it's a 400 page book. I think there's probably 150 of those pages are straight up lore. They're maps. They're, they describe what the corporations are, what, like, it just goes deep. They go super hard on the lore. But, um, when you take a step back from that, you can see that there's actually a lot of space, uh, left in, inside of Night City for, for you to just play around. And they've actually, it's a, it's not a sandbox. It's a playground, right? Um, they've, they've, they've given you the swing set in the jungle gym, but you got, you can still make all your own fun and, and create your own game within that. Um, yeah. And the more I thought about it, um, the, 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 so in, in terms of concept, what I came up with was more like the, the corporations that we know and love, the Arasakas, the Militex, the Biotechnicas, that's the pantheon of night city right so and and what's interesting about red is uh arasaka is like a fallen god right it, it during the time of the red this is a banished god that has been you know thrown into the abyss and there are still like people in the mortal realm i.e night city that are working to resurrect this god so as soon as i started thinking about it like that i was like oh great so you have people that are devout worshipers of the different gods that work for the corporations and those become the corporate whatevers. And then the edge runners themselves like exist outside of that system and, or manipulate that system in their own, uh, in their own way. And, um, and I was like, okay, I'm freed from this idea that you have to live in a framework here. It's more like the framework is there to support whatever idea you want to create. So I, I mean, Okay, buckle up. <laughs> um, I am a fan. Of, there's a guy named Tim Hickson. 
I think his YouTube channel is called Hello Future Me. And he is obsessed with like um, Avatar The Last Airbender and all things fantasy, um, but a little bit of sci-fi, but mostly world building. He has a whole book called On Writing and World Building. And, um, and he talks about how uh, one, one of the keys to the world building is empires, right? So no matter where, what world you're talking about, you're interacting with an empire in one way or another. Um, the American Empire, the British Empire, the, the you know, the, the Middle Earth or what, whatever. Um, Battlestar Galactica or, um, or Star Trek. There's, there's the Federation is an empire. The Klingons are an empire. And it's like you're, you're creating an empire when you world build. It's basically um, anybody that has the privilege to oppress the, sure. uh, another class. So it can be like as micro as a corporation or as macro as the entire United States. It, exactly. Exactly. And it's, it's not necessarily about oppression. It's a, it's sometimes it's about like protection or every gang is an empire. Every, the structure of, um, of a boss of a certain city block, that's also, they're, they're building their own empire. So every NPC is trying to carve out their own empire. So when you start thinking about start thinking about that way, you understand your NPC's motivations a lot better. So he talks about, and I'll try to be as brief as I can, but he talks about the three C's of empires. So it's commerce, it's communication, and it's control, right? So um, communication, people, technology, and power. Yeah, exactly, right? Um, Communication in Night City seems like it's obvious, like you can use your agent to talk to each other. It's fat. Like in fantasy, you'd be like, well, communication is on horseback. So um, little towns can't communicate with their king quickly. So then the structure changes. But um, the way communication works in Night City for me is um, it's about access. Like who can you talk to? You can't, you can't just talk to the CEO of Arasaka in Japan or, or anybody like, so so people guard these avenues of communication um, really carefully because that, that's power, right? It's, so part it's of, privilege, it's influence, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, and you'll see, so then when your characters start to subvert people's lines of communication, so you have like a boss and then a boss's underling and then the underling is the fixer that hired you. And then suddenly you talk to the person above your fixer and your fixer goes like, what the f what are you guys doing? And you've, you went from ally to enemy like that. Yeah, exactly. And they they are going to, that fixer is going to act accordingly, right? So they'll stop doing what you wanted them to do or they'll act against, or maybe they'll be cool. Maybe you'll explain it and it'll be fine. But um, essentially all this, all this world building is really just about giving your NPCs motivation, right? Um and so then that big boss, like, why is he in control in the first place? Like, what is he, is it just because he's a, got a linear frame and he can kick everyone's ass? Uh, probably not, because that's not enough. Um, he's probably got access to, you know, maybe he has a relationship with a nomad tribe and knows how to import cabbage or some shit that nobody else can get. And now he's in charge of his block because of that. And, or uh, maybe he takes over, um, a booster gang because he can get them better drugs and since they want those you know why are they in his empire right so that's part of his control so this is the second c is control right it's about um in my homebrew campaign of the devil's triangle the amber oasis that 
nomad family, the only reason they have influence is because they facilitate trade throughout the cities. So whether yeah. you're a corporation or a government entity or just a booster gang, you need the you need them. Yeah, absolutely. And actually, communication in your campaign is factors way huge because what at the brilliance of the red, right? This this like getting rid of the internet is amazing, right? Because now you basically um, the way I think of it is, yeah, your agent can like send an SMS message, right, or maybe make a phone call. But like when you're in the middle of Texas, out in the desert, like that shit don't work. Um, <laughs> and you're cut off. Like it's a whole different way of, of interacting with the world. Um, it was really fascinating, actually, because, well, I don't want we're going to talk about both campaigns at the same time. Um, <laughs> it's, it's all the campaigns, man. That's where we're some of all of our experiences. Yeah, that's actually what I love about the Amber Oasis is part of it is the communication and um and the the control is there too because you have a nomad tribe they're not necessarily like holding everyone at gunpoint it's just that they have access to the vehicles and the the trade routes and the, are able to communicate with people that can get things that people need um and what that does for your game to bring it back to the game is now you know how those nomads will react if you try to subvert that control or go around them then you now have caused conflict uh, within you're, your campaign. Basically creating the status quo, and then you're leaving it to the players to figure out how they navigate through it. Yes, exactly, right? You create a system, and then, and well, then you look at their backstories, right? So the, the trick is you look at their backstories, and you see what they're motivated to do. Then you create a world and a system that goes diametrically opposed to the things that they want to do in their life, and that is conflict. Um, you look at, so Brez, a nomad, uh, 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 Nautica slash Shitwrecked is a corpo media, and their two worlds collide, and they just happen to be on the, 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 the front of that wave as they both crash into each other. So it, it makes for just like this, immediately there's just this really interesting conflict, and you just kind of sit back, once you've done all that prep, you just sit back and see how they want to nav navigate. You don't even have to really push plot because they're pushing the plot because they're that's their job. Yeah, because um, they're always going to do things that motivate them anyway. And because of the life path system of cyberpunk, you know a clue into the things that motivate their characters as well. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can subtly throw things at them that you know that they're going to bite, but you don't know what direction they're going to take it in. You know yeah. what I mean? So both of you are getting some kind of response. It's like, hey, the worst thing is when you throw something and they're all like, yeah, I don't know what that is. Ignore it. But mm -hmm. if, you, if you throw something and they're like, hmm, I don't know how to handle this right now, that's good because at least they're thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The life path thing is, is great. Um, I really, that's one of the highlights of the Red Book is like the different life paths for the different um, roles is super interesting and you can just you can just roll that you can choose like obviously as we went to create this show we didn't just like randomly roll dice to see what we got um uh but we worked really carefully but using those as prompts for our own creativity yeah that's great that's a good way to do it and I always say, once you make that character, it tells a story in itself. You have a story before you even roll dice and 
that's something you don't really get in a lot of RPGs. Uh, Cyberpunk does it really well. I've heard Traveler does too. I've never personally played it, but I, Mike was actually, uh, Mike Pondsmith was inspired by Traveler's life path system when he created Cyberpunk. Okay. Yeah. So, so I... it's, it's good stuff. Yeah, you better have a life before the game starts because your life isn't going to last much longer once the game does start. <laughs> yeah, we're we're seeing the end of the stories. <laughs> I know, and that, I think that's why when players lose their characters in Cyberpunk, it hurts more because it's like you're so invested. Mm-hmm. You're, there's like so many, it's just like a real life. There's so many unfinished things that yeah. are in your I, life path. Um. Yeah, without naming names, but one of the players in the show asked me, like, well, if the fans really like my character, aren't they going to be mad if you kill them? And I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) This is what you signed up for. I don't know what you're... Are you trying to, like, get some extra armor out of me by saying you're a fan favorite? Because that ain't going to fly. Um no, actually, it's the opposite, right? The more the fans like them, the better it's going to be when they, they, I mean, uh, like, have you watched the whole anime? I mean, <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, spoiler alert for the anime, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, I'm hang just, out for 10 seconds. 10 seconds. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Shakespearean tragedy, and that's what makes yeah. it such an amazing story, is mm-hmm. because life is cheap, and the characters that you're invested in they are just a part of that system. Yeah. But that's, that's, those are the stories. I, this is what, and this system, ugh, okay. Chill out, Dustin. All right. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is, this is what grabbed me about the system. So, like, it just grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and said, hey, you're, you're using Cyberpunk Red because, um, I love even stuff that is outside of the Cyberpunk genre, but like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, the, the, the stuff is the young guns that like cowboy shootout. Uh, I'm just on a Western kick, I guess. Um, uh, the heist movies where, uh, you know, it doesn't always go well, but you're, it's about heat. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and, and others in within the sci-fi genre, obviously, but, or cyberpunk genre, um, but it's like you're telling um, like a, a, a socio-political morality tale wrapped up in a tragedy uh, all while looking really cool. And, you know, it uh, and this is, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's what's so deep about it. It's like people still at the end of the day, like you look at it from the outside, you're like, dude, all these clothes and flashy cars, it's, so insignificant when you can literally just get shot by a stray bullet walking out of your house but people the human condition will not let that go by you know we won't let that rule over us we're still going to express ourselves we still want individuality even through all that your dog's going off (laughs) don't worry about it we all have dogs and even in the dark future there's dogs (laughs) <laughs> yeah um cyber dogs um okay i think they might be chilling okay um it that's actually so coming back to the show a little bit um 
the title of the show is the edge of extinction um and that is exactly what i wanted to explore is like what does humanity do at the end you know what what will people do to survive um when when the ocean is rising and there's fallout in the air and you're looking you're staring you're staring extinction right in the face and do people turn to religion do they try to um become um do they try to become machines do they do they shun that as the thing that led them down the dark path and purify their bodies like like that um or do they just like get what they can and live as high as they can while they you know while they crash because yeah because you never know when it's going to be your time yeah yeah it's yeah, and, and it's so easy to like feel for everybody even corpos like corporations are the worst you know we all know mm -hmm. they're the bad guy there's a reason why arasaka is the bad guy in everybody's game is because we all know what it's like to work for a corporation be exploited by a corporation and cyberpunk takes it to the highest level but when you look at that like low level corporate and they're like well i get to live in like a white picket fence in a corporate zone there's security i can have an actual family you know, mm -hmm. I guess signing on that dotted line is is really tempting. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> because let's be honest. Uh, I mean, take a look at yourself. You would be one. Come on, I'm sitting in a house with two dogs in front of a bookshelf. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would be terrified <laughs> to lose that position. We all believe. We all want to believe the best of ourselves in in those moments. And maybe it's true. Maybe that's who we would be. But that's uh, that's why we play the game, right? Because we want to um, we want to explore that part of ourselves and and really tell the stories of what it means to to um, fight against or be a part of or yeah and and it's a great it's really fun because you're playing a game where everybody uh, if you do it right everybody's motivated they they're all just self-interested mostly but there's nobody there is no like there's no fucking vecna right there's no just bad person like maybe they're, they're bad people but they're bad in a sort of like realistic self-interested way um they do bad things but like they're still people they're not demons um there isn't some supernatural force beyond. You have to actually draw a line from like, they were a baby, they were raised a certain way, and then they became this way, and then they were, they're just as much victims of, um, of the machinery as the edge runners themselves are. It's just the choices that they've made and what they will do to maintain their status quo. This is the empire, right? If you're inside the empire, like, yeah, the walls are keeping you safe. And when people threaten your ability to, um, whatever, have a house or, or whatever, eat, eat the right flavor kibble, drink Coca-Cola. Like when people threaten that, that's like, you're, um, you're gonna, you're gonna fight to protect it. Yeah, so it's all you have yeah. left. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, propaganda is another huge part of it as well. Right. So there's the reality of yeah 
yeah it's that whole thing where like they just want total control of everything i mean we're going uh -huh. through it's that's why cyberpunk is so hard to, it's like we wish it wasn't so true in our lives we got these algorithms <laughs> that are looking at our every tick and movement to figure out what they can advertise to us that kind of psychic mind war happens in uh -huh. cyberpunk too you know but there's way less protection for the people sure and i don't know if we play hard enough it won't happen <laughs> yeah i know that's it you know we're like i played cyberpunk i would not want to live in that world at all yeah <laughs> oh yeah i don't sorry to get dark folks no i mean uh, it's the dark future that's i think that's why we love it because how does every game start every game cyberpunk game starts in a nightclub there's drinking there's fun there's rolling ones on your resist torture drugs when you take a drink, you know? Yeah. And then there's the whole, like, tit for tat, having conversations with people. I'm a badass, you're a badass. And then it's going, and then it's like, okay, we're all having laughs and we're having fun, but there's betrayal, there's backstabbing. Mm -hmm. There is, there's danger. There is grim undertones with everything else, violence. And even though those things we don't want to see in our lives, we know that that's part of the human condition. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It It's so fun also just to explore that with, with your friends and like, you know, um, really think about it. And, and also it's fun to roll dice and, and shoot guns and like li live those fantasies. The cool thing about cyberpunk is you can explore it on many different angles. You know, you could, the solo is basically like, oh, there are monsters out there. So I need to be a scarier monster than all the other monsters. That's what a mm -hmm. solo is. But the corpo and the fixer is like, there's monsters out there. So I need to make friends with monsters to protect me from the other monsters. And you yeah. can easily explore both options. Sometimes one is more appropriate than the other. And and everyone can have their enjoyment of the game. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, all the roles have their role to play. All Sorry. the roles have their role to play. <laughs> yeah. I, I really appreciate, like, the diversity of the... Um, of the... of the types of characters you can play, too. Um it's easy for like a power gamer to walk into the game and be like, why would anybody play a media? Why would anybody do that? And I'm like, but that's where the story is. You know, they come in with, they come in with the story, you know, they are the plot. They're chasing the things down. Um, yeah, we have no solos in our group. We had one who wanted to play, uh, a Lex was going to play a solo and then, I was like, yeah, but did you read Rocker Boy? Because, bro, you're a Rocker Boy. <laughs> they, he, he plays no one else. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was literally like, I think he was trying not to because it's so Character on type. Yeah, on type for him. Um, but yeah, he texted me like three days later. He's like, oh, I'm right, you're right. I'm going to be a Rocker Boy. Um, it's just so, he's so funny. Um, yeah, they, the first two episodes are pretty, like you said, drinking in a bar, shooting some goons going to a party and then um and it goes sideways after that 
Um, yeah, I mean, when then when you actually have to make a living in cyberpunk, you know, mm -hmm. you don't bag groceries uh, to make a living in yeah. cyberpunk. You know, you got to go do things that are terrible. Yeah, and it so light spoilers for episode three, I think. Um, there's uh, just to, to sort of talk about the difference between cyberpunk and a lot of other games you might play. They're sitting in a bar um, in front of the fixer that sort of uh, the, the premise is that one of them hired the other three through a fixer to like do a job. And then like they do their job and uh, sort of like in, in most games, um, I'm deliberately deleting any game system names here, but like you might do a job for money and then you're like, we're a party now and you never worry about that again, right? Um, we just do things, whatever we want. Um, they're sitting in the same bar in front of the same fixer and they're like, okay, we're going to go do all this stuff. And then the fixer says, hey, can I talk to you for a second? This is my crew. You, you don't get to just fucking take them, right? This is, you owe me money. Like you pay me, I pay them. You don't get to just take them, right? You're cutting me out of this deal. And, uh, and it's like this idea of like, no, the, the world is alive. Like you can't just sit in a random bar in front of a bartender or a fixer that is a bartender and have a discussion about what you're going to do and have them not listen to you. Like, Oh yeah, sounds good to me. It's like, no man, you're, that's their livelihood, right? Fixers fix. And if you go around them, you've pissed them off. Right. So then it became an altercation, like a really genuine altercation. And then they, they were like backing off and they're like, okay, yeah, 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 I'll pay you. It's fine. It's, you know, I thought we were on the same, they said they would do it. I'm like, I don't care what they say. They work for me, right? You're putting them in danger. That's that's my asset, right? And so then now you've built that conflict, but then you've also built the conflict of like, oh, they work for you. And now they have to decide when they're going to break off that relationship. And it's a pretty serious relationship between a, a fixer and a and a edge runner that gets jobs through them. Yeah, it's, it's so much more complicated than pulling out a pistol and shooting somebody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the minute you give people names and personalities and all that stuff, it's, um, yeah, it can get really heavy. Um, I mean, that's why we put a content warning on the front of the show. Like, that was one thing, but going into the show, we were like, hey, we are going to talk about some stuff. And chances are, on any given day, when we stream, there's probably going to be something in the news that's fucking horrible. And, you know... Uh, so we're just going to be aware of that and, and just understand that the story we're telling is, is about humanity and about, um, about our struggle, our sort of universal struggle. And, um, and it involves guns and shooting people. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you know, even though those terrible things are happening, the real essence of the story with the players is how they are the captains of their own destiny. And they're like, yeah, I'm in this world, I'm in this meat grinder, but I'm making my own mark here. And mm -hmm. I'm not going to let anybody tell me what to do because I have the power to to create opportunities with other opportunities. Yeah. And when they take down that big bad corporation at the end, that it, it's like that much sweeter because of all the things they went through. Yeah. It's about free will. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I remember in one of my campaigns, one of my players, but like it was weeks and weeks of playing. 
The story was they killed his wife. Some corporate guy put a hit out on his wife. His wife was a news reporter. She was talking too much. He finally got down to the guy that gave the order to that gave the order like all the way at the top. And when he faced him, it was his brother. And he couldn't, he just, he couldn't do it. He couldn't go through with taking him out. And it was like a heavy moment for him. The guy was going to get arrested. He's going to jail. It's going to be bad for him, but he didn't take him out. You know, it was a heavy, heavy thing to go through. Yeah. Yeah. That's. And, and, you know, what a powerful situation you created as a game master. And also you just sit there and let the player truly decide their fate, you know, like this is the collaboration, right? Yeah. He's like, you know, I get to decide what happens because I told him, you know, cause it's out of my hands. I'm like, here's the mm -hmm. NPC. He's here. You have a gun to his head. You do whatever you want. Yeah. And he decided this is what my story is going to be. That's the lesson, Game Masters. Right? You, it's At best, it's a choose-your-own-adventure. Right? Like, in terms of the, the linear progress of your plot. But like, no, man, you're just... You're just world-building. This is what we're talking about. I don't need to bring it back. And, and finding out what it is these characters want to do. Right? And just letting them exist yeah that's it uh let me ask you um how do you think about so we're talking about like the the macro you know you build the whole world but when it gets down to game time the session for building for the session what do you keep in mind what's 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 at the front of your mind when you're when you're running the session um that's a good question um and it depends um on the type of game i'm running like if it's just a bunch of friends coming together for a one shot i basically have just my list of npcs and their stats and how the gunfights are going to go and how the encounters are built um we could talk about it i mean encounter building is a huge part of world building and the game and that um it's part of why the game map the 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 terrain that i use is really interesting because it's modular and it gives players a real sense of the the telemetry of the encounter and they can they feel really empowered to make moves and hide behind things and do stuff um i like to create counters that have um that are unstable so things that have a clock on them things that explode if your encounter is getting boring if you guys are just like hiding in cover and i shoot twice and then i shoot twice and then i shoot twice um have have one of the NPCs hit a propane tank and blow the wall up and set everyone on fire and um you know let don't let the world that don't let the your encounters be static. So that's part of what I think about is just the encounters. Um that that could or could not happen. That will probably happen. Um mostly I'm trying to um Mostly I try to just be in the moment. I don't try to plan too far ahead. I try to just uh, really know the characters as best I can. Like my session zeros are pretty obnoxious probably if you've never played with me. Like I send <laughs> I send an email with um, about 10 questions and they're um, 
I don't have the list in front of me, but it's like, tell me a story from your past. Tell me this, uh, create an NPC that's in the world that you can interact with. So I have lots and lots of toys to play with when it comes to how to motivate the characters. Um, yeah. And then I, I try to, you know, on a macro level, like on a campaign from week to week, I try to keep track of, um, what's happening that what's happening that week. Um, if, uh, if I know that Arasaka is developing a new weapon and is shipping it somewhere, like where are they, where are they in that process sort of? So I have my own internal clock as to how things are going. And then that in turn helps me motivate my NPCs to do certain things. Um, you know, um, yeah, but mostly I'm just freaking out. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think you mentioned something very important is to just live in the moment because, uh, I know a lot of pitfalls that I had in my early times being a game master is I thought I had to have notes for everything just in case I needed to look it up. And in practice, you end up looking up zero because it's like, mm. you don't have time. You have to be in the moment. Things are happening. So yeah. you have to focus on what's happening in front of you and how you think the world would react to your players. Yeah. And I mean, you know, at the end of the day, if your goons, I think you actually, John John has a great video on the like three goon method. And it's like super simple way to just run um, a fight, like anything outside of fight. Sure. Um, I have lots, I have a whole Google drive full of NPCs with their own stats and their motivations and stuff like that. But like, in terms of just like, how are they going to be able to shoot? Like, whatever, just use your three gun, good me method. Um, give them a plus eight or 11 or 15 or whatever the numbers are. And that impacts the story like mm, this much, you know, um, you want to create encounter that's fair, but you also want it to be tense and you also want the threat of death to be there. There's, there's not that many encounters in my games. In fact, like if there's one criticism of, of, um, my style from people is like, they don't get to possibly don't get to like do enough action. Like, uh, the, the fights are a little bit more spare, but for me, that's because I don't want to run a fight where the players can't, um, that isn't serving a purpose. Like, if it isn't moving the story for story forward, and if the characters can't possibly die, then it's just boring. Um, if you're just randomly, you know, I don't want to randomly kill dudes in the street. That's boring. Um, if there's no chance that your character can die, you're just going to stand there and swing a sword and g gain XP. Like that's boring to me also. So um, every encounter should either move the story forward or be an opportunity to end a story. Um, and if it's not that, then I'm not super concerned with it. Um, I have stats for every NPC, but like I said, if you just make them up, if you just know, like, you know, you've played enough cyberpunk or maybe you haven't, but like, if you haven't played a lot of cyberpunk, watch John John's three goon video. It'll tell you like, if this guy's tough, give him a 15 or whatever. Um, and, and just do it for all the numbers. It doesn't matter. Like, whatever, if the guy can drive a car, just use the same number. Like he, yeah, he's got good vehicle. Um, uh, drive land vehicle. Uh, there's too many skills to worry about all that stuff. Um, I found that like, if you stay in the moment though, and you really understand your world building, you really understand the motivations of all your NPCs and how they would react and who's behind them. 
Like, what are their motive? Are they poor? Are they scratching their money together? Or do they have money? If they have money, they're not worried about losing money. But if you fuck with someone's money when they're, um, when they're scratching together every bit of their existence, that's when they're going to pull a pistol on you and they're going to do awful things. Um, but, uh, but also like if you threaten someone's power in their empire, then they're going to bring the full brunt of their empire down upon you. And if you understand all of those things, like your NPCs are going to play themselves. Um, you're just going to sit there and like, yeah, you got to remember, I write down like what voice they have. Like, you know, I got a guy that never opens his mouth, you know, <laughs> you know, like that's about it. Um, I, I know what they're going to do because I understand how they fit into the world and they are going to react. You just react. Um, cause otherwise they're just going about their business. You know, there's no reason for them to interact with your players They, Yeah. That's, that's actually the trick though, right? Is tying enough threads to your players so you can pull them into the story. Otherwise, you know, they're just going to drive around and drink and do whatever or anything other than that. Everything other than that will feel unrealistic for a rocker boy. Anything other than playing shows at the bar and getting drunk and getting and using, by the way, I think the next episode we use that really fun, um, the dating sim that I saw you and James talking about. Uh, I saw you guys roll on that chart and I was like, that's going into every game I ever play because it's so funny and so good. Um, it makes for a really fun break from, uh, so things get a little intense and then the, the, uh, the rocker boy, I just said like, he's not on the dating sim exactly, but his drummer is constantly hooking him up with other girls. So the dating sim is just his drummer. Like who does Bradley show up with for Ricky to date? And he's like, ah, oh, I got this girl that that Brad hooked me up with. I guess I gotta go see what that's about. Uh, it's like this amazing table to like roll on. Um, but great. anyway, I got super sidetracked. Um, <laughs> no, that, no, everything you said was great. It's it's exactly what gay masters need to hear because I've come to the same kind of conclusions over time. Do all your preparation before the game ever begins, and then when you're at the game, be in the moment be there be present yeah. and and just put yourself in the shoes of the world around your players what i yeah. usually like to do uh, to simplify things is i break up um things into scenes the players are in one place they're going to go to another place they always go to a different place all the time and something happens there usually if they're not going to kill or kidnap or you know do those kinds of action movie things they're looking for information. So try to figure out ways where you can give your players information if they work for it, if they're smart about it, use their contacts. And then when they're comfortable, throw obstacles at them. Information and obstacles are like two of the most important things you can do when there's complacency and they're like, you know, all drinking and making jokes. It It's great when the when the jokes are cut off by some guy saying like, Hey, give me all your money. Yeah. You know? And it's like, Oh man, like who is this guy? You know? And then they look yeah. at him and it's like, wait, he's wearing a suit. Is he a corporate? This guy's a corporate what's going on? You know? And then now there's like an intriguing story going wrong, going on with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's always just like your encounters when the people are just shooting each other and it's boring. You can blow up a 
propane tank. You could just do that when they're talking too. <laughs> it's also fun to explode the room in the middle of a conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah. Information gathering is great. Um, the, the, the trick there is just like, yeah, lots of people can all have the same information. You know, the, the fun part is misinformation. I, I love telling my party that, oh yes, the, uh, the plans or whatever the, the, just thinking about the anime, like, uh, yes, the experimental exoskeleton is going to be in this location. And then you show up and it's not there. And instead it's, you know, a high value, um, spy for a rival corporation who's tied up on the floor. And it's like, well, this is not the, this is not what I signed up for. It's not what I'm being paid for. But on the other hand, now we've got this asset, like, what do we do now? Um, yeah, that's, that's always a really fun, uh, a fun move as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, I think we had some really good advice for people here and <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. I've been wanting to have this conversation with you in general, in private, if we could even have it, but it's good to have it <laughs> here to offer insight to the community before we end today. Let's make sure we we let people know exactly where they can go, um, the the channel name and all that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, on YouTube, at everything is uh, almost everything is at uh, Infinite Sided Dice. So YouTube.com or whatever slash Infinite Sided Dice. Uh, on Twitter at Infinite Sided. Um, Instagram at Infinite Sided Dice. Twitch at Infinite Sided Dice. All those things. Um, do follow it out. You can follow me on Twitter as well. It's every um, Wednesdays on Twitch. Uh, Tuesdays on Twitch. So. Oh, sorry, Tuesdays uh, yeah. on Twitch. Yeah, good call. Uh, two, we're doing it live for right now. It's going up live on Tuesdays at 7 p.m. on Twitch. And then the VODs are coming out um, two hours ago while we're recording this. Uh, Five o'clock on Fridays. Um I don't know if that's all going to change. We're like, we're so fresh and so clean. We've tried to think about everything that we could in terms of making it easy for people to uh, consume and then also making it easy enough for us to edit and produce and, and release in a way that uh, makes some kind of sense. Um, I hope the two hour format is what we ended up with. I hope you guys are enjoying that. Um, I'm a big fan of the four hour slog, like through, a, an actual play where I just like absorb for, um, but, but I think the two hours probably a little more of a manageable bite for most people. Um, and there'll be lots of episodes up. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So if you're listening to this episode two has already come out, uh, possibly episode three, hopefully I get this out before then. And, uh, make sure you guys like subscribe, leave comments that helps with the algorithm. And stay tuned for more Edge of Extinction, right? Uh, more, lots more. That's it. So, Dustin, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate what you're doing for the community. I'm grateful that I've met you. And uh, I'll see you tomorrow because we're going to be doing some fun stuff for Cyberpunk at the shop for a spooky yeah. event. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Yeah, we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> let the, let's let the event happen. And we'll come back on and talk about it. Yeah, it's interesting. We're running games for uh, games for strangers. Not we're necessarily. Both, but... We're both running one shots. Uh, your table filled up really quickly. 
So, you know, I got the bird, the word from the bird. Hey, you want to tr- open another table? And I said, yeah, of course. So I'm there. Yeah. How many people are sitting at home going right now? Where in the heck do I get to play at John John's table by just signing up? Green Tower <laughs> Games, Santa Clarita. <laughs> Put it on your maps. All right, guys. Thank you so right. much. Hope you guys have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting. We'll see you guys on the next one. Bye.